0: Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Christmas is about different things, isn't it? It's about presents, about putting up the Christmas tree. We do Christmas carols. We do town... Christmas carols. We do all this stuff about Christmas. Christmas is a great reminder. We do all sorts of things to remind us of stuff, don't we? We have a diary, maybe some people keep a diary so they can remember the stuff they've got to do. Some people put reminders on their phones or alarms on their phones so they remember what they have to do. Some people tie a ribbon around their finger so they remember what to do, but then they go, now why did I tie that ribbon on my finger? Or they write on their hand to remember what they have to do. I think Christmas is a great time to remember what God has done for us. To remember that God, the creator of the universe, wrapped himself in flesh, came down to earth to show us who he is, to die on the cross and rise again so we could have victory and hope in our life, so that we could know who God is. So this morning I thought, using the story of Mary as well, let's have a look at what Christmas reminds us of. Number one is this. Family is important to God. Christmas reminds us that family is important to God. I'd like to read you a Bible verse from Luke chapter 2, 4 to 7. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I think that's a great thought that God placed his son in a family. When we read the story, we don't realize that when Jesus was born, it was the start of a family for Joseph and Mary. See, God places so much value on family, He thinks it's the best place for people to be raised in family. Be raised by a mum and a dad. Sure, there's all sorts of, sometimes there can be issues in families. what families don't have issues, but it's still the best place to raise a child. And that was God's thought. In our life, it's the same for us. I, I know growing up, I was the eldest. Who else here is the eldest kid in the family? Yep, yep, it's true. I read this really good quote once. It said that they should have a day for all firstborns because mum and dad practiced on us. We are the real MVPs. I thought it's true. But being the firstborn was hard because I can remember everything was, seemed always unfair my brother would be annoying me, and I wanted to karate chop him in the face or, or in the throat. I was like, you, you know how that little brother, he's nine years younger than you, but he stirs you, and he stirs you until you get really angry, and if I hit him, I would hurt him too bad. And you get really angry, and, and then you, your mom and dad goes, leave him alone, he's the youngest. Ah. Or... Your brother or sister grabs. I remember my, bro- my sister would be tearing up my books or she'd be doing something, and I'd go, and I'd get angry at them or upset. I'd say, no, no, give me that. That's mine, or I'd take the thing that they had off them because that was mine, and my mum and dad go, hey, you're the eldest. You should know better. Let them have it. Now, at the time, it wasn't good. It felt unfair. It hurt me. It messed me up on the inside a little bit. Uh, but looking back it taught me a lot of really handy things like sacrifice it's not all about me it taught me about leadership hey i'm i'm leading in the family it taught me about thinking about others and not just myself. It taught me a whole lot of things, being in that family, being the eldest, having to give up the stuff that I wanted so that other people could have fun and enjoy life. I was the guy that babysitted while mum and dad were at work. I had to stay home and look after my brother and my sister. It taught me so much. When God speaks to us and we become Christian and we get saved, God places us in a church family because he believes it's the best place for us to grow. It's the best place for us to change and develop. It's, it's in church that God gives us dreams about our future. It's in church that we start to find our purpose. It's in church that we find how we can best serve other people. It's in church where we learn how to serve. It's in church where we learn to forgive other people who might hurt us. I don't know about you, but I know in my life that I've had to forgive people in church. They hurt me. I wake up in the middle of the night. They say something they shouldn't have said. I wake up and I go, I just want to do something bad to them. Something inside me and I've got to sit there and I've got to go, because I can't sleep. And I go, God, you know what? I forgive that person. And I've got to start to pray for them say, God, I thank you that you're going to bless them. I thank you that their future is going to be amazing. I thank you, God, you've got plans for their future. I, I, I can just see amazing blessing over their life. And I start to change and develop in my life and start to change because it's in family that we change. It's in family that we develop. I love what Paul says. Let, sorry, stop. Paul's Hebrews. Let Hebrews. Let me read it to you. It says these words. Hebrews 10.25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Psalm 1.3 says these words, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Let me encourage you, this next 12 months, this year, become planted in, the ch- in church, Get planted in a family. Get into a life group if you're not already in a life group. Because it's when we become planted that we start to have fruit on our lives. When we connect with other family members, it's when we're successful. I like Jesus. Even Jesus, when he grew up in a family, you know what it says about him? Because he grew up in family, it says, And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. That's what happens when we connect with family when we allow ourselves to be challenged and develop and change in family life. Maybe in your life, your natural family hasn't been a great place. I I like what Pope John Paul II said. He says, as goes the family, so goes the nation. Family is such an important thing. Family is essential. And maybe like me, you haven't had the best example of family. But why don't you believe also this next 12 months that God can restore family relationships, that God can bring healing to your family, that God can come and touch your family and start to bring forgiveness and and start to heal some of those hurts that have happened in your family because God cares about family. He genuinely cares about family because He created it. And it's, it's the best thing that represents God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the family unit. He cares about family. He loves the family. The next thing is this. The next thing that Christmas reminds us of is to forgive people. Let me read to you Matthew 1, 18 to 19. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. When I was spending time with God, and I was thinking about this, I felt the Holy Spirit say it, and I got this revelation that Mary would have had to forgive Joseph, at some point in her life, she would have had to go, you know what, I forgive Joseph. And here's why. Joseph basically accused Mary of adultery, of having an affair with another man. She was engaged to him, yet she obviously slept with someone else because now she's pregnant. So that, that's the only way he would have known that someone can become pregnant. And Mary would have said to her, him, no, no, I haven't. It's, its it's from God, but yet he still didn't believe her. Until an angel turned up in his dream and said, what Mary said is true, and I'm paraphrasing this because that's not the exact words, but he said, what Mary said is true, that baby is from God, and he's going to change the world. He's God. So Mary would have had to forgive him. Can you think about that? that her life would have been messed up and she would never have achieved the stuff that she had if she would not forgiven Joseph for the things that she did. In our life, there's people who have heard us, who have done things to us, that have said things this year, in our past, at some point. And we can't be who God's called us to be unless we forgive those people. I remember there was this one guy in my life, and I really looked up to him. He was a youth pastor in my town. And I was a youth leader, and I'd just started being a youth leader. And we had about three people coming on a Friday night, and he had about 80 and I can remember, I really looked up to him. And then one day it got back to me, this guy that I was spending time with, that he told another friend who was a pastor at the Baptist church. He said, this, he said Jason, I don't even think he's got a ministry call on his life. There's not much to him. He's not going to amount to much at all. And it crushed me on the inside. This is a guy I looked up to and I thought a lot about. And so even now when I talk about it, or even yesterday when I thought about this thing, something inside me goes, I don't want to even see him. If I see him, I don't know what I'll say. So in that moment, I've got to choose to decide, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person. I forgive him, God. And I I realized that this week, that I actually still need to forgive this guy for what he said about me. And maybe in your life, maybe it's not about ministry, maybe someone didn't say that about your ministry, but maybe they said it about some other area in your life. Maybe it's about, maybe someone didn't recognize the call on your life. Maybe you were overlooked and you thought something should have gone to you. Maybe, maybe someone rejected you or abandoned you. Maybe, maybe someone did something really bad to you. But it, it, the reality is, if we don't forgive people, we're the ones whose life it messes up. Another time in my job at Community Solutions we had a boss, and, and she's left now, so I can share the story. But she, was, she wasn't good. She made my life misery for an entire year. She was a bully. That's how she led. She led through bullying. She lied. She made stuff up. She created real anxiety and tension in the, in the workplace. And I can remember this. One day, she went out to the toilets. Now, she went out to the toilets, and she looked, and obviously someone Now, I'm the only male in the office, but obviously someone had left the toilet seat up. She comes storming out, and she goes, that's it. Someone, you left the toilet seat up. I'm going to human resources. And I remember sitting there going, what is, that is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in my life. You're going to HR over a toilet seat being left up. I stood up. I was the senior in the office. I stood up. Said, that's it this place is a joke. I quit. I started packing up my stuff. She storms out, obviously to ring the boss, her boss. Then I sat back at my desk. I started working. She walks back in the room and she says, Jason, I thought you were leaving. And I said, I can either leave now or I can leave at the end of the week when I get my work done. It's your call. And she's, Jason, come and have a chat to me. So as I'm walking into the office with her, God kind of speaks to me, and he says, you know, you shouldn't have spoke to her. Uh, now, I wasn't rude. I was just very f- assertive with my voice. <laughs> I, I, I was, I did, it wasn't really a yell. I was just assertive. And we sat down at the desk, and straight away I said, oh, look, I need to apologize to you. I should never have spoke to you, the way, you did, uh, the way I did in front of the other staff. That was wrong. She said, that's okay, Jason. She said, now, it's not me that's got the problem with the toilet seat. It's someone else in the office, and, and, and I was just helping them. And I, and I said, oh, what a load of rubbish. But she, you know, she said, you can keep your job if you... Now, the the, the sad thing is, in this, while she was outside, I already, I'd already been given a different job in another part of the company, in the youth services, and I was that angry. I rang her and left a message on her phone telling my new boss that I'd resigned from my job. And I'd, So in that moment, she said, look, you can keep your other job, and... Uh, We'll just pretend this never happened. I said, thank you very much. Then I had to get back on the phone and ring my new boss and say, look, I've decided to stay. <laughs> and she said, oh, cool. But I had to forgive her. If I hadn't forgiven her in that moment, I wouldn't have had a job. And if I hadn't forgiven her now, I'd still be angry at her. Even though she made my life a misery for a year, I've had to forgive her so that my life could be full of joy, full of peace, and full of hope. If I get Bo to come up here please, where's Bo? Come on up. I need another volunteer. Jeremy, come on up too, mate. Now, how many push-ups do you reckon you can do? Not as many as Jeremy. Not, not as many as Jeremy. It's true, all right. I reckon you can do five. Can you do five? With all that work you do with your dancing and stuff? All right, pop down there. So he reckons, he stay there, don't start doing So he reckons he can do five. Can you sit on his back for me, please? <laughs> All right. Now, put sit in a good spot that he's not going to do his back for life. All right, ready? See if you can do one. All right, that'll do. I don't want to hurt your back. Oh, wow, that's a miracle. Was it A Christmas miracle. Was that hard? It was very hard. Awesome. You can sit down. Thank you. <laughs> now, the reason I did this illustration is cuz that's what happens when we don't forgive someone. You're trying to do something in life, you're trying to achieve something, but but that whole time while well, you've got unforgiveness, you've got that person sitting on your back. Or you're walking around and you're carrying them everywhere you go. And that person who you don't forgive, it doesn't even bother. They know nothing about it. They're just living their life, they're just enjoying life and there you are. I hate that person. I hope they eat dirt and die. I hope they, you know, you're just angry as about them. I heard this one saying that said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. This Christmas, who do you need to forgive? Maybe it's it's a sibling, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's an ex-spouse, maybe it's a spouse now that's done stuff in your life and you're finding it really hard to forgive them. And you say, I don't know how I can, Jason, but I kind of gave you the key just a little bit early when I said start to pray for them. Start to, start to pray blessing over their life. You can't help but love someone you start to pray for and start to believe blessing over their life. You can't help but like that person. You can't, start, you can't help but not forgive them. You can't help but forgive them. That's the right way to say it. You can't help. So the, Christmas reminds us that we need to forgive people. The next thing is this. You can trust God. Luke 1 twenty 32 says, the angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And you know the story, she has the baby. Mary learned that, you know what, when God speaks to me and he gives me a promise he tells me something, I can trust him. He'll come through for me. He'll do what he says. We could live amazing lives. We could live lives of adventure. We could do um, such great things for God. We could change our our world around us for God if we just started to believe, God, I trust you. When you tell me you're going to do something, you'll come through. The fact that Jesus was created, the fact that Jesus was born is proof enough for every single person that you can trust God. I, I was listening to a preacher and he was saying the odds of Jesus actually coming about and fulfilling every prophecy in the Old Testament is like if you filled the earth with, say, if you fill the entire earth with car tires or filled it with straw and, and then you just drop someone on the top of, of the earth and they fell down and they landed on that needle. That is the odds of every single prophecy coming about. In Genesis 3, God promises Jesus. And then thousands of years later, he comes about. You can trust God when he tells you something. King David, he learned, if you have a look, King David promise from God that Jesus would come about was, was proof that David could trust Jesus. If you have a look, if you read the story, God says to, to David, he says, someone from your family, from your lineage, will sit on the throne of Israel forever. Talking about Jesus. Again, thousands of years later, Jesus is born. Then you read the story about when David fights Goliath. It's, it's proof again that you can trust God. Here's the cool thing he says to him. When David's there, and he says, "What what will, what will, what will King Saul do for the guy that defeats the giant Goliath?" And they say, "Well, he'll get to marry the king's daughter, and his family will never pay taxes again." When you hear again, I heard another biblical scholar say this, or a preacher say, "The reality was that when the three magi, or however many there were, when they came and they offered the gifts to Joseph and Mary." As a prophetic declaration that David's line will never pay taxes again. Because if you read the story, Joseph and Mary were actually going to Bethlehem to pay tax. And the gold given by the wise men or the magi, whatever you want to call them, that was the refund for the tax that Joseph had just paid and more. Because you can trust the word of God in your life. You can trust God's promises over your life. Renee and I, in this last 12 months, we're we've learning more and more that we can trust God in every area of our life. The fact that we have Hezekiah is proof that we can trust God in this last 12 months. Then there's other stories that I'm going to tell in the future, but I can't tell you right now that has really proved that we can trust God because of the season we're in. But once we go through this season, we could tell you those stories. But God in this last 12 months has really started to show us you can trust God. He showed me in the past when I was a youth pastor, I could trust God. He showed me when we moved to Bowen, you could trust God. He provided me with a job straight away, gave me a house straight away. You could trust God when he says something. This Christmas, let's trust God. Make the choice. God, I thank you that I'm reminded that I can trust you. The next one is this God can do the impossible. How will this, this is from Luke 1:34 to 37. says, How will this be, Mary, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. God can do anything. Is it? Doesn't that give you such confidence? The story of Mary never slept with anyone before. Next minute she's pregnant because the Holy Spirit came upon her. That tells me that our God can do anything. There's nothing he can't do. When I read the Bible, he parted the sea. He created the universe with his mouth. He stops the sun in the sky in one part and just freezes it there so that the armies of Israel can finish defeating an entire army. In another place, when Hezekiah is about to die but the prophet comes and says to him, no, you're going to live, he says, what evidence would you like? Do you want the sun to go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps? And he says, well, it's easy for the sun to go forward 10 steps but let's make it go back 10 steps. So God causes the shadow on the steps to go back 10 steps. There's nothing God can't do. There's nothing that's impossible for him. Then Jesus comes along. Jesus comes along and he heals people who are blind from birth. He he walks on water. He stills the storm. He says, the waves be still. And then the apostles say, who is this that even the waves and the wind obey him? He raises Lazarus from the dead. There's nothing impossible for God. This next year, why don't you grab a piece of paper and those things you've been believing for, for so long, why don't you start to write them down and start to believe that God, you're going to bring them about this next 12 months. Because God, I believe that you can do the impossible. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe you're unemployed and you're believing for a job. Maybe you're believing for a better marriage. Maybe you're believing for your kids to start to serve God. Maybe you're believing for something really big. Our God can do the impossible let's start to believe that God can do the impossible. The entire Bible from beginning to end proves that God is the God of the impossible. There's nothing too great for God. He created the universe. He can do anything in the universe. All of physics, all of biology, and all of chemistry is ruled over by God. What an awesome God we serve. Let's start to believe God this year for something impossible that only He could do. Maybe you've given up on the dream. It's time to stir it up again. It's time to believe God for that impossible dream. Let's go. The last thing is this. God came for people. Christmas reminds us that God is interested in people. Matthew 1, to 20, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit then it says in Matthew one twenty four, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. When I read this, you can see God cared for Mary. He didn't just say, okay, here's the dream, here's the call on your life, there's a baby inside your tummy, now you're on your own. When Mary would have felt like her whole world's falling to pieces, who's going to look after me? My, my husband's about to divorce me. God stepped into a circumstance and said, I'll look after you. Joseph, look after her. Because God cares about people. He cares, if I could get the band up, please. God cares about you and me. He cares what we go through. He cares about that hurt and the pain that we've experienced in our life. He cares about the rejection, the abandonment that you've felt. He cares that you've been through a divorce. He cares that you can't find work. He cares about you intimately. In Exodus, when God turns up to Moses, he says, I I want you to go and I want you to set my people free. Their cry for help has come up to me. God cared that his people were in bondage. God cared that they were hurting. God cared that they didn't have control over their own lives. When Jesus rocked up, he said, I've come to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the oppressed free. He says, I've in another place, he said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. John 3, 16, the most famous, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God cares for you. God cares for me. Before I got saved, before I became a Christian, I can remember my life was in agony. Not from, not from physical pain, but just emotional and, and, and mental anguish. I can remember every night, it was like the start of this marathon, What would, would I go to sleep tonight? I'd go to bed 9.30, I had like an OCD thing that was wrong with me where if I didn't go to bed at 9.30 on the dot every night, I believed I was going to stay awake all night. So there'd be something great on TV and I'd be looking at the clock and watching this and going, man, I'm not going to get to see the end of this. 9.30 is coming. The only night I'd stay up past 9.30 was State of Origin and then I'd be up till 3.30 in the morning. Then I'd lie there in bed going, God, if you really loved me, I'd be sleeping right now. God, why can't I sleep? Everybody else can. I had depression, anxiety. I felt trapped like there was no way out. I can remember getting out of my backyard and yelling out to God, and uh, hopefully none of the neighbors heard, but I remember yelling out, going, God, I hate you. If you really loved me, I wouldn't be going through this. I don't even believe in you. But I love that my God, he's bigger than that. He didn't hear that. He heard help. Because God cared about me. Then I got saved. I remember sitting in my in my room listening to Metallica. That's a heavy metal band, if you don't know. I remember sitting there listening to it, and then I just heard this voice: go and read your mom's Bible. I remember thinking, man, that's so boring. I don't want to do that. And then instantly I heard another voice, my school chaplain. And she said that the Bible was the most interesting book she'd ever read. So I said, all right, I'll give it a go. And I walked into my mum's room, found the Bible in a cupboard, started reading. And that night God spoke to me and said, God, I love you so much and I've got a great plan for your life. I knew that I needed Jesus in my life in that moment. That night as I went and hopped into bed, I still felt I had to go to bed at 9.30. That didn't change yet. But I hopped into bed and pretty much as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was asleep. God showed me that he cared for me. And I just want to encourage you this morning, this Christmas, whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, maybe you're like David when he says, "As I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. But then he says, I'll feel no evil for you are with me. Maybe you feel like you're walking through a shadow. You feel, it feels like you're in the valley of death. Maybe, it, maybe you've gotten a diagnosis that's not good. Maybe if your marriage is about to break down. Whatever it is this morning, God cares. He cares what's going on in your life. This Christmas, the story of Christmas, it reminds me and you that God cares for you, that he cares for me, that he loved me so much that he wrapped himself in flesh, came down in humble starts in a manger where all the animals lived, Grew up, went and died on a cross just for you and me. Uh, But he doesn't just care for you and me, he cares for the other people that we come across in our world. That's the story of Christmas as well. As Renee and I were walking down the beach this week, we walked along with Hezekiah, and we go for a walk often on down the front beach, and we're walking along. And we must have walked, and as we we're walking, we must have come across at least three or four homeless people. Three of them were homeless, and one of them might have been. God cares about those homeless people. God cares about the drug addict. God cares about the prostitutes we have in town. God cares about your workmate who's struggling. Why don't you this year say, God, I thank you that you care for me and teach me how to care for others like you care for me. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.